0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me from across the pond, the Kingsman to My Statesman. Matt Hudson from what I watch tonight.co.uk. What's going on, Matt? How are
1: you my friend? I am doing well. I'm doing very well. I love doing these shows. I say that every week, but for me it's the evening. It's now ten to ten. So I've got the stars are out. I can chill out on in my uh, pod studio, shall we call it, and talk some film, and it makes me it gives me that chilled out vibe which um I don't always get of other shows because it's a bit earlier. But this one man, chilled out, cup of tea at the ready because I'm hardcore. And I'm ready to talk some film with the Statesman. But how are you, man?
0: I am a little tired because this is my second day back in the classroom. Um, not Ooh. with students yet, but uh, with teachers. I am, I am, a I'm a veteran teacher at this point. I've been doing this for 13 years, and so I am among uh, a few group of teachers that are, is a teacher trainer. So we like help with professional development and introducing technology. So that's what I was doing all day today. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I'll tell you, man. Zoom calls are exhausting. I don't know what it is um that makes them more exhausting than anything I've ever done. As far as like trying to teach on them, and it, it's it just wears you down for some reason. And your um,
1: eyes are all over the screen looking at everything that's going on as well.
0: Yeah, and like I, I had some like I was I had some people in my room, and then the rest were all on the Zoom chat, and. Um, man, it was just, it's exhausting. I, I was like fading. I'm, I'm halfway through an energy drink right now. So I will probably get a little hyper in the middle of this recording uh, because I, I had no caffeine all day. Basically, um, I, I usually do decaf coffee. Mm-hmm. And and then, but like my morning ritual when I've been working out is I would have like caffeine in the morning, work out and then go about my day and drink decaf if I drink any more, which I do because I'm, I'm a coughaholic. Um, but this, since I'm not working out in the morning now, because of my being back in my actual like going to my job for the first time in months. um, I've been drinking decaf in the morning and then drinking like a caffeinated beverage before my workout again to like get the energy going. Mm-hmm. And man, it, it almost backfired during the meetings today because I was uh, I was falling out towards the end of the day. I'm like, I really need caffeine. And um, my school, we are we are a public school, but we are a charter school, and so um, we we have some luxuries that other schools don't always get, and one of them is my, my administration is very good at making sure we know we're appreciated, and so usually for the first week of school, we have, like, lunch provided, um, mm-hmm. but we can't quite do that because my boss is taking COVID very seriously, and we can't have, like, large gatherings or anything. Like, we've been on campus for two days, but we've been, most of our meetings have been zoom meetings even though we're all in the same like we're in the same facility but we're meeting online because of of the risk and so we had lunch today but it was delivered to our door in a box um like panera bread uh, catered our lunch today so like in the box was like a sandwich and a bag of chips and a cookie
1: sounds good to me
0: uh it was very good actually <laughs> uh and but um i, I started making a joke it, it probably won't happen, but I was just like, we need a mobile barista guys, like someone with a little cart. We can get them some plexiglass and they can come by and make us a coffee. Cause I am needing caffeine so badly. Uh, but you know, aside from that, um, we're here not to talk about our work lives, but to talk about a awesome film festival that we're, we're uh, participating in right now. The Fantasia international film festival based out of uh, Quebec, Canada. Um, it's my first time and i think and i know i know i know that it's your first time it is. uh with this particular festival and i think this is your first time getting to do a, a festival coverage right it is
1: because um i haven't bothered applying pretty, basically beforehand because i wanted to be at a level where i felt like i could do it justice and not just be that guy who was running around going ah i get to watch films for free i actually wanted to be able to like put something back into it and yeah so f- thankfully found fant- the opportunity for fantasy came about and I'll tell you something, dude, I'm, I am loving it in a minute. I'm digging this.
0: Yeah, I'm having, a, um, I really hope I, I miss going to mm-hmm. a festival, like, uh, for sure. Like I really, really enjoy being in the, that's one of the few times where there's a lot of people and I actually like <laughs> it. Um, I remember the first time I went, uh, the first movie I saw at a festival, uh, was the lobster at the Florida film festival, like 2017 or 2016 mm-hmm. or something like that. And, um, I hadn't seen any Yorgos Lanthimos yet too. So this was like a, it was a big night for me because I was introduced to a director who I am now a very big fan of. And I, we walked in and it was like already to the point where like there were no empty rows. So you had to sit next to someone or at least someone was already in the row you were going to sit in, which stresses me out unbelievably. Like I like to find the empty row and that's where I sit. And, um, but I sat down and like I was listening, and for the first time ever, I was at a movie theater where everyone around me was just talking about movies and not just you know not their rest mm-hmm. of their day. They were all excited about film because that's that's who your audience is at a festival, and that's one of the things that I love. Is it's one of the few times where you're in a room where everyone is very similar to you, even if it's not. Maybe they're not thinking as critically, or they might still have different tastes, but they they appreciate film at a level that some people just don't, and that's the beauty of 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 experiencing something like this to me especially in person is that you you're in a room full of people who are at least who at least value cinema at the same level yeah. that we do and that's not always the case
1: uh, no it's not um and that's the kind of vibe I, I would love to do when 2021 rolls around and hopefully uh we're back to some sort of some sort of semblance of normality um then yeah i'd love to be physically there because I'm sure everybody would love to see my boat race, my face at these festivals, of course. But um, but the digital, uh, the online version, dude, like I said last week, without trying to repeat myself, but it opens the doors because, I mean, I'm not sure if you could get to Montreal. I I would struggle massively to get to Montreal to go yeah, to a no. film festival. It would be um, hard. And so we both get the opportunity to do it individually for, for our own outlets, but we also get to collaboratively do it together as we have been doing for two and a half years, watching films together and talking about them. Now we actually feel like we are we're doing it together. And it's really, really good to be able to share that um, experience. And another good thing is the festival opens today. By the time you guys are hearing this, the festival has officially opened, isn't it? It's uh, August 20th. So the films we're going to talk about, some of them uh, will already be out for you.
0: The downside, and this is an important detail that we didn't know, at least I don't think we knew before, is that the movies are geo-locked to Canadian residents. So if you don't live in Canada right now, you can't actually participate in watching the movies from the festival. And I didn't know that. Um, Obviously, that limits who can see these movies right now. But do know, as is the case with a lot of films, if they're at one festival, they are probably at another festival. And you will probably be able to see them there way before you can see them anywhere else. So keep your eyes and ears open for other online festivals. A bunch of festivals are doing digital versions. And honestly, I think you might see some new festivals pop up who t- just want to capitalize on a, another form of distribution. Um, so you might see more more festivals like this popping up because I, I would have to imagine the uh, the cost of running this is substantially oh, cheaper. Geez as you're not paying facility fees. I mean, you still have to pay for all your staff, but... On-site facilities, maintenance,
1: uh, electricity, health and safety, food, drink, uh, wastage, everything that goes into it. It's a good point, actually. I can see uh, new festivals popping up because this is an awesome opportunity to get your film uh, film distribution, if it does well, but to get eyes on it. And that's why the geolocking thing... Listen, I'll always be honest. I I, I was really bummed by that. I really don't like the idea of it, but there are reasons that the organisers of Fantasia have done this. For me, I think it would have been great for the world to have the opportunity to see these films. It premiered at Fantasia, and maybe the next day drop it for everyone else to see. Um, We know that Neil Marshall's The Reckoning is getting its world premiere at Fantasia. Big, big deal. You know, Neil Marshall in the genre is a big deal. But it's locked to Canada. And again, I, I can see maybe that one because that is the festival draw. But a lot of these other films could benefit an awful lot from having worldwide eyes on them. But I mean, that's where guys like us come in yeah. as, as well.
0: Yeah, we're going to spread the word about these movies to some capacity. Um, uh, I will say I've now three years into this, I've, I've been to several festivals. Um, I have had some very bad reactions to some of the movies I've seen at festivals. Um, And uh, I would say, though, of the festivals and I've seen I think I've seen almost as many movies at Fantasia than I've seen at every other festival, except maybe South by. But I was at South by for nine straight days. And yeah, um, I should have seen even more movies than I did. But I had I I ended up actually having two friends in Texas, one that I knew lived there, and one who literally just happened to show up and stay at the same hotel I was in, who I like known since high school. Um so I I had to spend some time with my friends uh cuz it, it's so weird that Media. they were there you know um but otherwise I still saw a lot of movies there but um I've seen a lot of films here and I I have seen very few that I didn't like and even the ones that didn't quite work for me have not been bad they just didn't quite get there for me um and I I I think that's a, a super impressive because this this is also it's a very heavy genre festival um, I think that's kind of the theme. I I knew nothing about this festival before we started like looking into it, but most of the movies have some genre elements built into them, whether it's horror definitely seems to be at the forefront of most of them, but uh, they're not all horror films. There's been some really mm-hmm. great rom-coms uh, that we may or may not be talking about today, but we'll get to um, drama films. You know, there's some dark comedies, lots of drama, um, and some really great documentaries. Um, it's, it's just, it's a really great selection of films all high quality. This festival definitely seems to have its, uh, you know, again, I I didn't know much about it because it's in Quebec and uh, before it was never an option. Like the only festival I knew out of Canada was, was TIFF, which is one of the biggest festivals in the world. So yeah, of course you knew about that one, but I, if I can attend this one again, um, in the future, whether in person or online, I definitely will. And, uh, so, no criticism about the c- Canadian uh, geo geo locking. Obviously, we don't know all the logistics of why that is. I'm sure part of it is with contract disputes and distribution laws and things like that. Um, it does stink, though. Uh, if you're listening to this and we tell you about a movie that you're going to be interested in, we can't tell you for sure when you can see it. But don't you know? Go to Letterbox.com if you don't have an account yet. Make an account add the movie to your, your watch list. And then that way it'll always kind of be in the, the background of your mind that, Hey, and you can use other things for watch list, but I I do like letterbox not sponsored. They should, but they're not sponsored <laughs> by us. Um, But I am a big fan of, of the, that site and its applications. Um, I've been on letterbox since 2016, I think. Um, And I've been actively using it since 2017. And uh, it's where I, I go to, to keep track of all of my movie stuff, whether it's watching them or again, things I want to see, that's where I add it. Um, but we're going to get into four movies today. Uh, we're going to be reviewing four films that we've watched that, from the Fantasia international film festival, uh, all spoiler free. So nothing to worry about. Cause again, one, we usually do spoiler free anyways, but these movies, especially because we don't know when you're definitely going to have the opportunity to see them. Hopefully you will get the opportunity because these, I think the movies we're going to be talking about have something to offer that we're genuinely missing from the multiplex, um, even if they're not all going to work for us. Um, I can look at this and I will say, I don't think any of our reviews today are going to be negative, but some will be more negative than positive, but overall still not like none of these movies are bad or just Mm -hmm. didn't work for us completely. Uh, One definitely pushed my, uh, (laughs) my boundaries way beyond my comfort level, but um, but we'll get into that. But Matt, uh, you want to get into the movies?
1: Uh, yeah, let's do it. I, I'm, I'm with John on that as well. There's nothing I've watched which I think, well, actually, so far, this blows. There are things which I haven't been so hot on and we'll be getting the thumbs down, but nothing so far has been, like, straight up, or oh, that was awful. So the first film we're going to be talking about is one we spoke about on our, our preview show, of course, uh, and it was a big tuner recommendation. That's a film called Lapsis, directed by Noah Hutton, starring Dean Imperial, Madeline Wise, Babe Howard, Ivory Aquino... And Dora Madison. So lapsus is one which uh, came recommended by Big Tuna. And it's basically, it's about, uh, it's a parallel future. It was called, wasn't it? Like an, a parallel near future where cabling is all the rage. A new market has come up called cabling. Basically, people have to lay uh, miles of cable from one like um, conduit to another, which is miles away in uh, woodland terrain or uphills or wherever you want to be. Basically just because the internet has the internet has evolved into something which means that this is a way of getting the communication out there. And we follow a guy called Ray, who is um who becomes a cabler to pay his brother's medical bills, basically. Which is the idea of him becoming a cabler is against his character from what we see in the introductory scene. But uh, so Laptus, yeah, it's a it's a sci-fi kinda of, it's a sci-fi look into the near future where robots and humans tentatively coexist. But Noah Hutton is, you know, he's saying an awful lot about corporations and how they treat their employees here. And, you know, it's very obvious when you watch it. It's not subtle at all, but it works for me. You know, Lapsus looks good. It's some good lead performances. I think Dean Imperial, I think this is his first ever, first outing. I think he's he's very decent. Madeline Wise was very good for when she uh, comes into the film. And you know what? I thought it was a very decent film. Uh, Noah Hutton wrote this. He edited it and he composed the movie. It's got a decent runtime. It's got a good mystery in it, and it's well worth a watch. I think so. Mm-hmm. In terms of because sci-fi films or films, it's not. This isn't full on sci-fi. Don't get me wrong. It's not like full on sci-fi. Like sci-fi drama, mystery, thriller—you can throw them all in there. But sometimes these films don't always excite me or don't grab me. They can be too techy. They can be too futuristic. And uh, a film where I could watch that and think. Do you know what? I can't see that happening. This one, though, it doesn't. It feels like something which you know may be around the corner, and a lot of the issues that they discuss in the film are happening right now. So there was that which hooked me in. But the story worked for me. The performances were good. I liked the way it looked. I liked the fact that it wasn't overly long, so it didn't uh, bog itself down in too much exposition. And uh, the ending is, yeah, you know, end is fine. But that's the one. That's the one. Contentious part I have with it. Again, no spoilers, of course, here. But you know what, lapsis for a one of the first. I think this was the first film I watched of the festival. I enjoyed it.
0: I think this is a very decent film. Uh, what about you, JB? I also liked it, and actually, I think um, as I've sat with it, this was an early watch for me too. Mm. Um, I've I've grown to like it more uh, because if I remember like specifics this far out after having watched several other movies, it means it stuck with me. It struck a chord and I, both um, Dean Imperial and Madeline wise uh, were like such standouts to me in this movie. Mm. Um, especially because I I'm a big fan of like naturalistic acting. Like I, when it feels like I'm watching real people, I tend to get more invested in a movie, especially in a sci-fi film, right? Where the characters could be overwrought and, and just completely fictional when they feel like people that you would know here, in a world that is similar and familiar, but also clearly not our world. Um, it, it really like cl- just clicks for me a little more as far as like my, me liking the performance doesn't mean I'm going to love the movie, but it definitely is going to help me uh, like appreciate what you're doing because you've made a fictional world feel believable. And I thought both Imperial and wise did a really great job with that. I also thought their chemistry was it like, surprisingly like believable that they like when they meet and how they slowly click i really i bought into that and i was rooting for it so i really enjoyed them a lot that's not to downgrade anyone else in the film i think everyone actually performs quite admirably in this movie which is always great because when you see a small indie film that's like so much is done by one guy you often will have like their friends in the movie or whatever and it doesn't always pan out that their friends are good actors um Mm -hmm. i thought everyone in the cast did a really great job in making this world feel real and they should madeline wise is a veteran for sure like if you look at her credits but um imperial seems to be you know maybe not uh new to acting but definitely new to uh, feature film acting and i thought he did a really good job um i like the story and i love this this kind of parallel uh gig worker um you know, thread that we see, uh, yeah, in yeah. fact that if you're watching the news right now, there's like all these, uh, concerns with, um, I think it's Uber who's having to potentially shut down if, uh, the mandates being pushed against them to, uh, pay, give benefits and stuff to their, their drivers, because the whole point of Uber was like to make it cheaper to, to get rides to places. But if they have to suddenly start paying benefits, they're going to have to increase the price of the rides, making it where maybe Uber isn't really a cost-effective way of travel anymore. Thus negating the whole existence of the company in the first place. And thus all those people Mm -hmm. out of jobs, but you're seeing this, um, this movie is kind of dealing with the, the struggle of the gig worker because yes, you're making money, but you're not making that much. And then you have no benefits because of the type of work you're doing. And if that's what you're, you know, ultimately looking to like be taken care of, this is not the right world, but it's becoming where this is more and more and more what we see people having to do, especially as the job markets crash and things like that. Um, so I think this movie is maybe just a little ahead of its time because you have to assume this was made, um, you know, in, in between 2018, 2019. And while, yes, those things were there, I don't know if anyone had foresaw how like bad the job world was going to be, especially because of the pandemic. And so I think a lot of this movie works even better because of the craziness that we're seeing in the world right now, you know. Um, so I, I think this movie is really it does what sci-fi is supposed to do as a genre that it offers this kind of um it's not quite removed enough where you can add commentary and it not be obvious as you pointed out that the commentary here is on the nose but it's still like it's sci-fi enough and again a little bit you know uh cognizant of itself uh in a way that maybe this guy might need to be checked that he's maybe running the government. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know much about yeah, who, yeah. who Hutton is, but he's he had his uh, finger on the pulse. And so it makes this very relevant and very poignant. Um, so definitely worth a watch if you get an opportunity to see lapsus. Um, Not perfect. Again, uh, it, it is – there are a few things that just didn't quite click to make this, like, a masterpiece to me. But, again, definitely watchable, definitely enjoyable – um, and I don't know, I don't remember Hutton's uh, filmography, but I feel like this was one of his first features. Um,
1: uh, this one was his feature debut. He, I think he's done like shorts before. But yeah, so really one, strong
0: his... first feature, I would say.
1: Yeah, and like I say, he wrote it, edited it, composed it. it this was almost it's a labor of love, a labor of passion for for him. And yeah, Lapsis, again, I wanted to mention as well that the, we mentioned it's on the nose, and let's face it, it is. But I found the dialogue was very decent throughout. It wasn't too heavy. It wasn't too bogged down with exposition or just me, uh, meandering talk about corporations and whatnot. It, You know, there was a personal touch to the dialogue, to how the characters spoke. It felt like you said, it felt organic. It didn't feel like two actors feeding each other lines. It felt like two people speaking to each other to each other about genuine issues they were facing at the time. And a lot of cliches, a lot of conventions are swerved as well, which is another reason why I gravitated towards this. It, It, it has... A lot of staples, which you see in these kind of uh, futuristic or near future films, future tech. But as we said, it manages to feel slightly grounded or as of this world, whilst also feeling that detached enough to be in that parallel state. But for a debut, and again, that always sounds condescending for a debut. But you know what? It's, it's a very, very solid effort, this one.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. So with that... um, I suppose we can uh, go to the next film. Uh, we can, and I shall let you lead off with this one, John. You can do this one on a long single take. And I feel like you did this to me on purpose, because I'm totally going to butcher all of the names, and I apologize in <laughs> advance. I, I didn't think about that. Yeah, I didn't either, until I'm like, wait a minute, he did this on purpose. Um, so it's... I
1: only used one name for this, so.
0: <laughs> Crazy Samurai Mushashi, which I probably already butchered that, uh, which um, this was the film that is, it's, leaning on its technical achievement more so than anything else. Um, as it is a, it is boasting from the get go. It's on the poster and everything, a 77 minute, one long take. Uh, so most of this film is one single shot, no cuts, not digitally stitched together. This is literally one long shot. Um, that said uh, it is directed by Yuji Shimomaru. So Shimura Shimomaru. See, this is awful. Shinmore, Shin, Shimomura. Shimomura. Uh, Sion Sono. Tak Saguchi. Sakaguchi? Sakaguchi. Uh, Masaki Takari. Takara? Takarai, And Akiko Sai. I am so sorry. So <laughs> well, You
1: got there, though. You made it.
0: I, I think I got a couple of those right. And then I butchered severe other ones. Um, so... This is the movie that um, it, it forgoes story more so for uh, the technical achievement. However, I, I was impressed. I, I'm a big fan of one-take type movies. I, I've talked about them many times. Um, I like both the digitally stitched ones because it's still impressive. Like Everyone acts like, oh, it's just digital. No, it's still hard to plan all of it. It's not like it's just, oh, well, this is easy. It is, it is insane to think of what we do. And it should always be noted the biggest obstacle and why this in a way doesn't make sense is the beauty of cinema is the ability to cut and edit that's the difference between theater and film so choosing to purposely not cut is a weird choice when you're making a movie because it Mm -hmm. kind of goes against the medium's function but it's still it's still a challenge because it means that the actors must know their lines so in this case, it's the actors must know their their choreography because this is a massive fight sequence, mm-hmm. and that's where the film I think is at its best and worst. It is a good film, and I think the technical achievement is worth merit. However, a when you're doing a fight like this, you have to be kind of conservative because there's way too many things happening. Yeah. Um, so the the action is very repetitive. And it's it gets a little boring. Um, there is a, a point in the seventy seven minutes where I wasn't even sure if I was actually seeing this new stuff or if I was just watching a loop because it is very very redundant. And again, I don't I don't think that's at a fault. I think it's the the in the style that they're doing. It's impossible for that not to be the case. Um, that said, I also think it's the the genre that they're working. in. This is a samurai. It's it's not flashy movie. Fighting that we're getting in this movie—it's not the raid; it's not um, a Bruce Lee film. You—you you are getting a sword fight and a fairly, you know, reserved one because of the nature of both the the technical side, but also the character. He's fighting countless number of people, and he's trying to conserve energy, so he has to, you know, be—he he every movement could potentially be his downfall because it's literally the poster says one versus four hundred, but I believe the letterbox uh, synopsis says that it is uh, 500 and something people that oh, buy. Yeah. So I don't know which number is correct. Uh, that might be something they take up with their marketing people because there's a disconnect there. But <laughs> it's it's um, it's a very unfortunate side effect of the, the nature of what they're doing that it becomes very repetitive. And I know I'm being repetitive now, but I don't know how else to articulate it. I do want to uh, praise Tak uh, Saguchi who plays the titular character of Musashi. Um, just what he did physically is impressive, like it, to, to fight that long. And they have they have natural breakpoints in the action uh, to allow him not to die would be my guess. But um, I think he's great in the role. I think he's very compelling. Uh, he doesn't get a lot of dialogue or, or even really character motivation. And I think he does well. Um, I had some issues with the framing device, the, the opening story uh I think it opens from the wrong perspective. We open from the people who Musashi will be fighting in the movie, but it feels like we're supposed to be rooting for Musashi throughout the film. And I think that it was just a bad decision to start from the other side. Um, Unless they're going to make us, you know, understand why Musashi is fighting them. And they, they don't, they don't give us any real motivation or reason to root for him. You're rooting for him because you're watching him fight people for 77 minutes. You're like, how is this guy doing this? This is insane but there's no real story or character backstory. He, he is a legendary real samurai which we mentioned on our preview episode that i knew nothing about before this but i i had seen some of the images and stuff uh not realizing that it was based on an actual person and not just more of like the idea of a samurai um but it's 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 one of those things where it's it's worthy to check out especially if you're like me and you you seek out these long take movies or these movies that uh, institute these long takes. Um, We had the one cut of the dead two years ago. That was really awesome. Obviously 1917 did the digital stitching. Um, Veronica from a few years ago. Did I do it again? Is it Victoria? You did it again.
1: Yes. Victoria.
0: Veronica is the horror movie. Victoria is the one take uh, film. Um, very all do it differently they, they have different approaches to it, but I, f- I feel like they're all worth studying because they're they're messing with the art and that's what we I, I want to encourage filmmakers to do. That. that's why i I mean no disrespect to the the crew who made this movie because it's it's you did something that people are afraid to try to do it doesn't mean that um, the results are going to be amazing every single time, but you achieve something that is people would generally say that's why no way that's too hard. you did it. Um, it could have been better, I think overall, as far as an experience, but as far as a technical thing, I think he, I think he did a really great job. So overall it's, I think it's worth checking out. Um, if you're looking for like a a really deep narrative with fleshed out characters, I don't think this is that movie and I don't think they're trying to be that movie, but I think depending on what, what you're looking for out of this, you may or may not get. So what did you think, Matt?
1: Uh, Pretty much the same as you. I can't add an awful lot more. It's, it is, it's very rudimentary, but it it, is always intended to be. In terms of how it's fought, because you can't have uh, He they, they, they had extraction this year, ten minute fight scene, which was wonderfully pulled off, but you're not going to have Tak Sakaguchi doing that for seventy seven minutes. It's it's not feasible. And, and as you, I think Sakaguchi is he's awesome. He's got the stamina of an antelope. He just doesn't stop. And I, I said bef- I said before my my arms were aching just watching him do this. But pretty pretty much what you said. JB, you know, uh, Sh- Shimamura. he deserves a lot of credit for his perseverance, his vision, and his ability to ensure that there was a momentum to the fighting for the most part and to pull off a, a one-shot action sequence. Because, again, to back up what JB just said, this literally is an uncut 77-minute long action sequence. There are no clever cuts or anything. So it's no mean feat to do that. But, yeah, once you get past the technical achievement this is a pretty bare bones flick. It's good to watch just like a one-time thing to witness it. But to be honest, Steve, like like you said, even then you're going to feel your attention drifting away. Cause I got about an hour through this and I was thinking, Jesus, please. I'm, I need this to finish quite soon because I was getting extremely uh, fidgety. My attention was drifting massively because once I'd seen uh, like a few minutes in each location, I'd seen it all, but then for it to keep repeating itself, I was starting to get up like, thinking, you know what? I'm starting to not like this film. I, 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 I appreciated this film. I wouldn't say I, I enjoyed it, but I appreciated it for the technical aspects, for the performances and like the stamina and endurance. And for, like I say, for the vision of the director, anyone can, we, me and John could sit here and say, let's make a 77 minute long action sequence to actually pull it off though. I and mean, how many times do you have to re, re, like choreograph and rehearse this? And I um, guess whether they did, they probably rehearsed it in stages. I don't know. And then when it came to it, just had to try and remember it. I, I've no idea how you'd pull it off. So that side of yeah. it is extremely impressive. But, For sure. Uh, yeah, I, uh, after a while, I did start to get quite bored. But it, whilst also retaining an interest in where how the fight was going to end up. Because like I said, I, I knew the story of Musashi but I didn't know how this story played out. Um, it is fairly abrupt when it gets towards the end, but um, look, yeah, go what, definitely check it out. It's absolutely worth checking out to see everything we mentioned, the vision, the stamina, the technical achievement. But like JP said, don't go and expect in a deep narrative or even dare I say something extremely exciting. But I I, I think it's great to witness as a one-time watch
0: yeah and that's honestly i think we said a lot about that movie and yet no spoilers because somehow yeah i even if we did spoil this one it's not really what the film's concerned with um if anything i would say the biggest spoiler would be that it's a long take but that's literally their marketing campaign so we, we didn't spoil anything but um yeah, but that, i think that leads to sorry matt but the the next movie because hey crazy samurai musashi not bad just you know for it's,
1: different reasons. I was just going to agree with you. Yeah, that is in the marketing. So that's what they're hanging their hat on. But yeah, I agree with you there. So the next film uh, comes from the Netherlands, comes from Holland, not a million miles from uh, where I am now. And it's called The Columnist, uh, directed by Ivo van Art, And it stars Katja Herbers, Bram van der Keelen, Claire Porro and wonderfully named Genio de Groot. I like that name. And uh, this one is basically it's a it's a swipe. It's a take at social media, uh, the, the place where you can be horrible to people. You can get away with it. Anonymity is the key here. You get the keyboard warriors. You get a celebrity might write something with the best intentions, and there'll always be a handful of people who will be not mean about it. Let's put it like that. In The Columnist, we follow Femke Boot, who's played by Katya Herbers, She's a journalist. She's and I uh, want to be novelist, uh, but she's got internet trolls on her case for opinions within her columns, and you know they're they're talking about her looks, uh, her beliefs, basically anything, calling her like the most vile names you could think of. And you know what? Sometimes you have all just we all think I have had enough. So she takes it into her own hands to silence these internet trolls. Uh, this is a black comedy, black comedy stroke horror. It leans a lot more on a black comedy than the horror. I'll say that right now, but it's a it's wickedly fun. I had such a good time with this film. This is one of JB's recommendations up the top. I had so much fun with this film. It was so entertaining. I thought it was thrilling. I thought it was sharp. I thought it was very well acted. I thought uh, Katja Herbers uh, of Westworld fame. I thought she was excellent. I thought she was, I don't know an awful lot about her. But I can already tell it was like pitch perfect casting for this role. I thought she was so good. Um, I, I, I how she re- relates with other people in the film uh, also kind of sets the narrative on different paths as well. And when she goes on her spree, it's can I say that the murders are incredibly fun to watch because they are, and they're satisfying. The finale is very good. Sometimes these films can't stick the land in, but I think The Columnist. Mm-hmm. It gave us uh, a compelling finale. It gave us a tense finale, considering that the rest of the film did, like I say, hang its hat more on the comedy. But I really, really enjoyed this film because it was it had a great sense of self-awareness. It knew exactly what it was. It was jabbing at the real issues of social media, acknowledging it's there but just jabbing at it and poking at it and the people who make social media the worst of places. And and Van Der Art has clearly had a... a Van Art, sorry, he's either had awful experiences or he knows what he's talking about because the way that this film kind of encapsulates the worst parts of social media, when I'm watching it, I was thinking, you know what, that is what you see, unfortunately, online every day. And even though the comments, you think, Jesus, you know, tone it down a bit, but sadly, that is what you see. And especially if you happen to be a female with an opinion in the world of social media, you seem to be taking down a few more notches for the crime of being born with a different chromosome. But I think this is a fab- fabulous film. I had such a great time with this. It's entertaining. It's fun. It's it's satisfying. As soon as you guys get a chance to go and check out The Columnist, honestly, go check it out. Because this one comes with a, a map. A Kingsman seal of approval, and this is where John turns around and says he thought it's rubbish, thinks it's rubbish. Uh, the,
0: uh, what we're reviewing today, this is my favorite film on this list. Nice, um, I, I this clicked for me in every way imaginable. Um, I my review, I, it has the five star rating from me, uh, which is must see film. Um, I I loved not only did I enjoy the story and the characters and the performances, which I just thought were outstanding, and I really love um uh van der kellen who plays Stephen Dude which <laughs> is I believe Stephen dead in uh if we translate it to English um or death I think it's death uh that is his uh pseudonym and I love that his whole character I think his character is probably my favorite little sub commentary there's a lot of on the nose commentary happening in this film um the visuals though in this movie there are some striking imagery mm-hmm. that just... I just was so amazed when it came on, like, and a lot of it is, is again, it's tying back to the whole themes and, and commentary that he's making, um, or she's making actually art. Okay. Um, I, I loved this movie. I had so much fun with it. Everything about it just clicked for me. Um, you definitely have to be okay with dark comedy because it is going to be making light of some very serious stuff. And, um, I, I I will admit I think I even made a joke in my review. It's hard to review a movie that is ultimately like a person killing people who are critiquing <laughs> them, you know, like because it's like I'm not I'm not giving positive feedback because I'm afraid. Like, but at the same time, maybe we should be a little afraid, you know, like um, but like the 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 reality of the world we're living in, where so many people are so quick to just not just give criticism, but to be like hurtful and harsh like it's one thing to criticize with like oh i thought this could have been more interesting or give some kind of constructive Mm -hmm. commentary but to like attack someone's personality or person um or appearance because of you don't like their point of view that's petty and that's weak and you're just looking to hurt someone there you're not looking to help them get better at their craft which is what i would like to say most of my reviews is not meant to be an attack at the person who made the art um and I won't say I haven't gone for the easy joke a few times I definitely have I've made jokes that are probably at the expense of people but on average when I don't like a movie my my approach is to explain what didn't work for me and why I think it or what I think could have changed to make it where mm-hmm. I did like it not attack them because oh well they're just you know what a like I, I don't want to give away any of the movie, but like some, like they comment on her looks or they comment on the fact that she's a woman, like you said, and those are just mean things. And so the twist on this is just hilarious. And, um, it reminded me of an old nineties movie that I loved as a kid. I haven't seen it since I was a kid, so it might not hold up at all, but serial mom was a movie that I think might've introduced me to dark comedy. Um, there was a little run of weird, like horror comedies in the early nineties, like uh, Death becomes her serial mom. Um, the uh, Roseanne Barr, I think it was She-Devil or something like that. Um, I watched all of those as a kid. They were all on like, HBO and Cinemax and stuff. And I would watch them like on repeat, basically. Whenever they would show up, I would just rewatch them because it was better than other TV. And so I, I loved a lot of those kind of dark, humorous movies as a kid. And this movie just kind of reminded me of that, that mindset, the satirical, like, you know, what's the worst thing a person can do is kill somebody, right? So, like, what if someone who is on the surface seems so mundane and so vanilla chooses to do that worst thing possible it's just entertaining um and and it's that like you know it's the it's the ultimate escapist because it's not something i would ever condone in real life like an important detail of who i am as an individual is i am Mm -hmm. a pacifist i don't like violence in reality but I play violent video games. I, I grew up on Mortal Kombat. You know, I, I watch MMA, which, again, I appreciate, even though those are real people hitting each other. I think I can accept the terms that these people have agreed to that circumstance, right? Like, it's not one person who's decided I'm going to empower myself by hitting you. It's like, no, no, we've agreed that we will hit each other for, you know, nine minutes during a fight or what. Like, I can get behind that kind of stuff. But in general, I don't like violence. And yet, in film and, and video games, I can take enjoyment from it and this movie happened to to do that i found it to be just unbelievably engaging entertaining i mean i was hooked pretty much within the first 10 minutes and part of it is the performances of uh, kaja herbers who's in a bunch of stuff is just fantastic in this movie and and won me over so quickly and it it's also a lot of credit to the filmmaker the the way we choose to jump into this there's no wasted minutes um even i mean it's a one one hour 26 minute runtime it's a a short movie but man it doesn't feel like it i remember i think every minute of that film it was so impactful i just i absolutely love this movie
1: yeah i i agree i can't add much more to that because what you've just summed up extremely well the visuals like you say the visuals are are so well done it's it's filmed the, for the most part the film is just filmed in a dutch suburbia just a town in holland looks lovely i'll say that but that's what i love the the tone and the visuals are so at odds with what is happening yes the the attitudes and behaviors it's incredibly well done and if i if i happen to see uh, katia herbert in my house tonight it's been nice knowing you guys but um she <laughs> seems like a lovely person but everything i've said about anyone I, I meant in the best possible ways but yeah i i agree the way it's done it, it's very tongue-in-cheek but it, it does also open people's eyes to a wider issue in society and it was extremely satisfying to to watch that so yeah that's my thoughts on the columnist
0: so we put no thought into the order in which we're talking about these movies so sorry but the last movie we're going to talk about is fried berry and it's not fried berry b-e-r-r-y no no fried Barry, B-A-R-R-Y, and this is a movie uh, directed by Ryan Krueger, <laughs> written by, um, take... <laughs> it was originally a short, this is the feature version of the short that uh, won a bunch of festival awards, um, stars Gary Green, Brett Williams, Joey Kramer, which is weird that they're all guys because there's two prominent female characters and they're not anywhere high on the list of, of cast, which makes zero sense. Um, I'm like scanning the list on IMDb and there's no females on this list.
1: I had and, to scan a few lists to find them as well, but they yeah. are out there somewhere.
0: And they're very important to the overall story, like more so than I think anything Immortal. else. Um, but here's the thing about fried Barry. I feel like I have to read this because uh, again, we read this on the preview show, but it's, it's so important. Barry is drug addled, abusive bastard who after yet another bender is abducted by aliens. Barry then takes a backseat as the alien takes control of his body and goes on, on about the, uh, the town in um, South Africa. So this is an example of a very well-made movie that I can I can barely find any specific things to criticize as like this is not good or this is bad, yet this movie a hundred percent is not for me. Um it, it it is like the closest thing I can even remotely compare it to is train spotting. But that feels yes. wrong because I love train spotting. I don't hate <laughs> fried berry, but I was uncomfortable through almost all of this movie and partly going I picked this and Matt has to watch this and i did because i was like uh oh, if you want we can un- remove this from our selection and p- do something else <laughs> but again it's not that it's bad it's it's one i would never recommend because it is it broaches Comfort in every area. Like, if you're not comfortable with sexuality, get ready for some really weird sexuality stuff in this movie. If you don't like drug use, well, get ready for a lot of drug use. Like, this yep. is this movie hits on all of areas that I am generally not comfortable with, which again, I think that's what the movie wants. Which is why it's not a criticism as much as this is a film that made me uncomfortable and I didn't like it. So um <laughs> thus I didn't not the film, I didn't like feeling uncomfortable. But subsequently, that makes me not really like the film because I didn't want to watch it. I will say I couldn't take my eyes off of it for parts of it. I mean, other parts I had to literally look away because I'm just like, nope, nope, can't look at that. Um, It it is listed as a a comedy horror sci-fi. I did laugh at a couple of things. Um, I had some moments I had no clue what was going on. Other moments I was very like, oh, well, this is again. This is an avant garde film, in my opinion which is a a genre that I tend to not really click with. I'm much more of a traditionalist. I do like the Hollywood uh, layout. I love indie film. So I, and I want to encourage avant-garde because, you know, there's a spot for that, but it doesn't mean I'm always going to get it. Like I still don't get Jackson Pollock painting. I don't understand why people like splatter (laughs) on, on canvas. I don't know why it's worth so much. That's not to say it's not good. It just doesn't click for me. This is the same thing with fried berry for me. It's, it is not, um, maybe it is for you. If so, check it out. If you don't mind really messed up, disturbing imagery and some very weird things that feel like a music video from the nineties. Um, not all of it, just moments. And you know, there's a lot of interesting things that happen in this movie, but again, none of them felt like I really am glad I experienced these again. I want to emphasize, I am not in any way saying this is bad because I don't think it is like, I, I think, I think there's a voice that comes across here. I think it's saying something. Um, I just didn't like what I was hearing or, or, you know, experiencing. So that's my take on it. And I feel like, Matt, uh, you were a big fan of this movie, right? You loved it. It clicked for you in every way.
1: This was the best scene, best film I've seen at the festival. There's one scene in particular with a needle and a body part. <laughs> I was like, I need to I need to watch this again and again. Um, on a loop. Yeah, oh, man. Fried Barry. I, it's, it's a, this is the conundrum now so far of all the films I've seen and the ones we're going to review going forward, this is the biggest conundrum so far because as mentioned by yourself and from what I saw it's a well crafted film Ryan Kruger and, and co have put together a very well made film, it's very competently stitched together, it looks very good Sometimes you get some, some scenes where the colours just pop off the screen, it, you know it's well edited, you know there's nothing wrong with the film but it is not an enjoyable watch for me Absolutely not. It's it's not for the faint-hearted. It won't be for everyone. Like you said, it's full of graphic nudity, sex scenes, drug use, violence. It's Ryan Kruger's basically saying, "How long can I keep ma How long can I keep you watching before you just have to look away?" Um, and like JB, there was a couple of scenes where it was just like, "You know what? I this I can't watch that. It's, it's too uncomfortable." Some of the scenes I did think, "Why why are you in there?" But they were. And they put them in there for the shock value. Uh, but what I will say is I don't know if I've ever seen a film, certainly recently, and I'll keep it PG, but where I've just sat there saying, you know, WTF to the yeah. screen. I literally no, – but the full-on thing. and our kids are in bed. I could say, like, what the – I was like, what the – so many times I was like, what the hell am I watching? Like, it, but like you like you said, I was it, I was interested or compelled, sorry, to keep watching because so I was like, well, where the hell – what is this guy? What is the log- the natural conclusion for this film? And of course, it just went off in a completely different direction to what I ever could have thought it did. But I don't know. There's like a there's a grubby feeling to each scene. It, I found it hard to get invested with really any of the characters. There's not really much to cling on and enjoy in the film. Yeah, they, like you say, there's Ryan Kruger is telling a tale of um, how society views uh the drugs and the impact it has on people and stuff like that there's a lot there 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 is a message beneath the madness, yeah but bloody hell it's a it's a it's a it's a it's an experience but it's not an enjoyable one for me again it's not a bad film it's not a film where you can watch and say i didn't enjoy it, plus you know what i don't really think that was a great film i think like i said i'll i will say it one more time, very competently made it looks very good, it captures the feeling that he absolutely meant to Capture the tone, but this didn't work for me. And it's it's well put together. The music's good. The acting is you know it's it's intense. Gary Green doesn't hold back. I mean, as far as I'm aware, he's fairly new, a newcomer as well. But I mean, Jesus, I don't know how you get into how method you have to be to get into this role. But it just did not work for me. I but mean... it's clearly working for a lot of people because it's racked up a lot of accolades. But yeah. I'm on your side here, JB. Well made, but. He didn't do it
0: for me. And Gary Green, no offense. This is funny because I was just talking about how like we can take jabs, but you could not have cast anyone better to play an alien in a human body because that dude looks surreal, right? Like he, his yeah. chiseled, like his face looks sculpted, um, in He's a weird physique, kind of way. It? Yeah, his and eyes
1: his, are just like a character.
0: So much about him. Yeah, I don't, I can't imagine anyone else being able to pull off "I'm an alien in a human body" better than that guy. And so. Um, and that's not to say he's the best actor or a bad actor. It's just to say like, man, what what casting? Like, I almost wonder if like Coug- uh, Krueger, mm-hmm. uh, if he ran into him on the street, was like, dude, you look like an alien. You're He doesn't like,
1: have much dialogue, does he? So it's not like he has to uh, act with what he's saying. It is, it is it's a physical performance, and it's a it's yeah. an intense physical performance. Yeah. But like you said, there there is some fun to be had. There are some decent moments which relate to Barry in his adventures, and but. I don't know, man. It, it, yeah. Well, as soon as you said, look, this is a, this is a hard NC 17 and this sat in the other, I was like, right. This is either going to one way or the other. I'm, Cause I didn't know much about the story. So I'm either going to dig this or yeah.
0: Yeah. And that was also like a warning too. Cause I, I got lucky when I watched it, like that my family wasn't around because like, I, I was like, man, this would not be a movie. I'd want like my wife to like, what are you watching? Like, uh, it's not there what would be it looks like. Asked. Yeah. like, you know, and honestly, there's another movie on the list that I was worried would be in that realm, and it's not. And I was like, oh, thank goodness. Um, I'll get in. We can't talk about that one just yet, but we'll we'll talk about it next week. But, um, but that's that's going to wrap up the movies that we both have watched that are we're able to talk about right now. Um, but we we've watched some other movies that uh I don't know if I don't know if you've seen any of the other ones that I've seen. I have not seen any of the other ones that you've seen so far. Um, that I know you've seen. Uh, but we're going to we're going to do basically our media consumption. We're going to move into that segment of the show. Um, now that we are done with the review portion, we're going to move into media consumption, just kind of touch on the other films we were able to talk about right now. And then what else we've been consuming, uh, whether it be podcasts, video games, television, um, et cetera, real fast. And then we're going to hit up, you know, a couple, one more segment and then we're going to wrap up for the, the episode. We know we, we usually only do one or two movies. We did four reviews, which is a lot. Uh, hopefully you stayed with us and you are excited about these independent art house type movies, especially fried berry, which will make you so miserably uncomfortable, unless you really like to feel that way, in which case it is right at home for you again. I love it. Yeah. um, uh, Truthfully though, again, uh, all four films have some redeemable qualities. And I I really do want to stress that because Mm -hmm. I have been to plenty of movies where there is nothing redeemable about it. And you're almost questioning how it was even, Like did, was this a sincere effort or was this like to make fun of the craft of filmmaking? None of that is happening here. All of these people are very, very versed in what they're doing. They clearly have a singular vision and they do a really great job of executing. It just doesn't always click. And that's uh, I think true with both Samurai and um, Barry that they, it's not that they're bad. It's just one was a little boring because it was very redundant and one was just way out of our comfort zone. So It is what it is. But with that, we're going to move to media consumption. Matt, what other things have you been consuming? And I don't care which order you want to go. If you want to start with the other Fantasia movies or end with those, it's your
1: call. I will end with the other Fantasia. So um, basically, I've been doing, doing Fantasia for want of a better terminology. I've been watching. I've been immersed in Fantasia. But that aside, I found time to watch the Resident Evil films. Because after seeing Fried Barry, I'm a glutton for punishment. I was like, let's watch just six Resident Evil films. But for a new project I'm doing, um, I've been watching the Resident Evil films. And I I, I now think Fried Barry is a masterpiece. And, but other than that, I've been watching I've, I've been playing Fall Guys on PS4. I'd heard an awful lot about it. And for the first time in forever, I've also been watching Frozen for the last two weeks. Every single day. And I mean <laughs> every day to the point where words are now entering my vernacular. But uh, I've seen a lot of people talking about Faller Guys. I was like, I'll download this. It, I'd heard it's like Takeshi's Castle uh, we have over here. Uh, a, I think it's an, an Asian game show. but uh, it, And I watch it. It's, like, it's a lot of fun. I don't know if you've heard of Fall Guys, but you basically just do obstacle courses, looking like, I don't know, like ice creams and burgers and pushing other people off ledges oh, and like, okay. climbing through slime and that. It's very fun. But like um, wipeout, like wipeout. That's right, yeah, exactly, exactly like wipeout. But rather than humans, you're all these like odd characters who you can customize by, you know, bumping into people and and, and other stuff. But it's a lot of fun. It's it's fine. It's a lot of fun. Um, in terms of Fantasia, though, uh, a few films I've been watching. Uh, the first one I will jump off with is a documentary, which I wasn't sure what it was going to be like, but I have endeavoured to cover as much of this pe- festival as possible. Uh, and it's called Morgana. And uh, in a nutshell, it's a basically a 47-year-old woman who uh, contemplated suicide. She's down in the dumps. She's, she's uh, stuck in the shackles of domestic staidness. She's a housewife who hates being it. She basically takes a life-affirming journey into adult entertainment and pornography. Um, it's a 47-year-old lady who doesn't have the typical image that you'd expect from that uh industry and it was basically a documentary about how she succeeds against the odds how her mental health was ta- uh affected along the way it's all about empowerment it's a very raw documentary um it of course it because of the industry it's uh focusing on if you aren't keen on nudity or graphic images then this won't this won't be for you or we may find it offensive but you know, I thought it was an, I put in my review, I thought it was an important documentary. It details how someone's life can be saved by this industry, and it literally was, how different is okay, and um how and what a a brave move it was for the for the titular lady Morgana Muses to do this. So not something I thought I would end up enjoying, but you know what? I I watched as I didn't like, this is a very interesting story, and I'm glad I got to uh, experience it. So that was Morgana, directed by Josie Hess and Isabel Pepard. Uh, I've also been watching an Argentinian uh, thriller called La Dosis, which translates to The Dose. Uh, That's basically about two nurses in the ICU who both have a penchant for euthanasia. The experienced doctor who's in his 50s called Marcos, he dishes it out from a place of pity for the patients who are suffering. He puts them out of their misery, not from any kind of place of lust. But the new handsome young nurse who comes in, a guy called Gabriel, he does it for pleasure. He gets a kick because he can, he knows he can do. So it's how those two butt heads. There's a tension between them. Um, it was okay, good mystery, but it felt lacking in a lot of areas, and it it needed a few extra things to push it to be you know really something pretty good. But it had a good mystery. It had pretty good performances, and it was the definition of that word again. But solid. Few issues with it few things I really liked, a solid thriller. So La Le- Dosis, an Argentinian uh, thriller. And the last one I saw that I could speak about is, is a German horror thriller called Sleep, or Schlaf, as it's better known. A uh, feature film debut from a dude called Michael Venus. Uh, and it's basically a woman is plagued by her nightmares. And she travels to this remote hotel in a remote area of Germany, to unravel the mystery behind her dreams, because she goes to the hotel, because that's what she's been seeing in her dreams, and then her daughter gets pulled into the nightmare world to try and save her mum. And it's not Nightmare on Elm Street or anything like that, but there is like a whiff of that idea. Um, and this one, it was it was all right, you know, it had an interesting premise, but it didn't have any, any energy to it. It felt really quite muddled at times, and it felt a bit flat certain parts of it were very good, very interesting. But then yeah, you know, a lot of it was a bit meandering when it worked though, very effective. And the way Venus looked at how you can separate dreams from reality, the effects it has on you physically and mentally was an ambitious uh, attempt. And for some parts he did very well, but it was just fine. So like I say, so sleep, I know a lot of people have been looking forward to seeing it for me. It was nothing more than okay. It's above average. It was it was pretty good. I get, with all these films, I'm glad I got to see them. But Sleep it wasn't the best one I've seen from the festival. So Morgana, good documentary. Ladosis, solid thriller. Sleep was an okay horror thriller. So that was the films I've caught up with that I can mention this week. And I know we've got a bunch next week. But uh, JB, what have you been consuming this week?
0: So... I- I have completed all of the Gilmore Girls. I finished all seven seasons and then I even finished the uh, Netflix series which Boom. the Netflix series tricked me. Um, it's called a year in the life right and it's it's I looked at it it's only four episodes. I'm like, oh, great I was expecting like a Netflix level series. Um, there each each episode is a season right So it starts with winter, then goes spring, summer fall. I'm thinking great knock these out 40 minute episodes no problem because that's what the format of the regular show was come to find out they went sherlock bbc style and each one of these is a movie (laughs) at an hour and a half almost for each except for the last one's two hours so i was like oh my god it's four movies um and yeah overall like the series i'm a big fan of luke luke is my favorite character Mm -hmm. by far um the the new series is soulless. It does not. It, it's like it completely forgets what the Gilmore Girls was. Gilmore Girls has such a specific visual style in terms of cinematography and the look of the world that's in there. It has a very like small town charm, which is a part of the whole essence of the show. Is mm-hmm. Stars Hollow, the small town it completely forgets that with the Netflix budget. And it goes way over like the, the cinematography and the amount of obnoxious cameos that show up in that because it's a revival series. And so now all these big celebrities are fans of the, the old show. So they want to be on it and it's obnoxious, but it's not horrible. It's just, it's definitely not what I, I think fans who had been waiting forever probably wanted from it. And it definitely, it does some really cheap, like cliffhanger type stuff in the show that I was not cool with. Mm-hmm. Um, but that I'm done with it. I'm happy I can move on. Uh, I've been, I, I, Doug Loves Movies has been one of my favorite podcasts for like nine years now. It's one of the first podcasts I started listening to. Like, I started with Nerdist and then uh, every Kevin Smith podcast that existed at the time in like two, 2011 or something like that. And then I found Doug Loves Movies. And, um, Doug Benson is a stand up comic. I, I wasn't a big fan of, but I knew him. Like, I'd seen him and stuff. He's, he's cameoed on a lot of sitcoms that I've liked. Uh, he's on an episode of Friends and he's on an episode of How I Met Your Mother. So I've been a, listening to that podcast for years, it's a live podcast. They always do it in front of a live audience. And that's been obviously impossible during the time of COVID. So it's been a Zoom podcast and I've had a hard time listening to it. Um, One, because Doug's high. That's his MO. If you don't know that about Doug Benson, he's a pot comic at the epitome of pot comics. And so that he's already got like a delay built into his world, but then you put in like internet issues, which I, I don't understand why this podcast seems to suffer the most from like over talking like like they're doing it on zoom instead of like a skype call or something a lot of podcasts have been doing it web-based forever right like slash film that they've always done it Mm -hmm. that way you and i we've never met in person we've done a lot of episodes of this um and other podcasts together yeah not yet but like we don't we don't have the talking over each other issue that i hear on this podcast so i have I've actively like started episodes and just been like, can't, I can't do it. And having to just stop. Um, but I, I almost did that with this one and I'm glad I didn't, but there was a recent episode as Jay Barishaw, mm-hmm. um, you know, actor director and Amy Simons who directed, uh, um, she dies tomorrow that we just reviewed. Interesting. And so duo. when, and there's, there's a third person whose name I'm forgetting, but she's a comic and I'm sorry, I don't remember her name, but, um, there's normally three people cause they do like movie trivia games and stuff. But, uh, I found that episode to be very, very enjoyable. I had to get past the initial because there still is that over-talk stuff that was happening. But once I got past it, it was really good. And then uh, the, this week's episode has some of the best DLM players, um, Jeff Tate and Sam Levine. Uh, m- many people know who Sam Levine is. Jeff Tate, if you're a fan of DLM, you know he's a comedian. I love him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it also has Aparna. Uh, oh, I'm going to forget her last name. But Aparna is one of my favorite comedians. Um, I, had, I found her because of XM like a couple of years ago. She's uh, so funny. Um, totally. Uh, it was such a really good episode. Um, again, because Sam and Jeff take the game so seriously that they they made sure it was just working perfectly as a podcast. And I, I really enjoyed that episode. So um, that's really all I've been listening to. I always there's podcasts I always listen to, mm-hmm. but that, those are the ones that kind of like popped out. Um, but as far as Fantasia movies go, um, I've watched... Uh, that I can talk about. Um, I'll start with a costume for Nicholas. It's I I wanted to watch an animated film. Um, it's rare to see a feature animated film at a festival, at least from my experience. I've not encountered many. I've seen a lot of animated shorts mm-hmm. at festivals, but I haven't seen a lot of feature films because they cost a lot to make. So usually, if they're getting that kind of production, they're not independent. Where they're going to enter festivals, they're going to be you know produced by a studio. Um, so I was drawn in right away because of that. I didn't know anything about it going in, but it is. Um, it's a special production. The, the production company uh, whose name I'm not going to remember right off the top of my head. Um, they exist to do like, uh, special interest films. And, um, this is, it's in conjunction with the special Olympics in this case. And the main character, Nicholas has down syndrome and is voiced by a real life person with down syndrome. So it's a really empowering type animated movie. However, it is geared towards a very young audience and not at all trying to appease an adult audience watching an animated movie. Um, so uh, it was a little tedious. It felt like I was babysitting and like the Disney junior or Nick junior, or whatever was like on the TV. And you just have to tolerate the, the obvious things, you know, where like the statements are blatant and like, okay, we get it. It's not, but I think for its audience, I think it's very well made. I actually did like the look of it. I thought the animation style was really unique and cool. Um, again, it does feel like it's meant for very little kids, but that's not a criticism because I think that's exactly what it's meant for. I just happened to be watching it. So um, it wasn't one I really enjoyed watching, but definitely admirable. And I love what it's doing. Um, then I watched um, three documentaries that I'm going to talk about real quick. Uh, Clapboard Jungle, um, definitely self-indulgent as it follows the uh, the filmmaker um, through his experience of trying to make it in the industry as a filmmaker, um, which as a film teacher, I thought was excellent because it's a really cool thing I can show my students in the future of This is one man's experience of in the industry trying to make it as an independent filmmaker, um, you know, making movies that he wrote and wants to direct and then being told he can't direct and things like that. Um, I think it's really, really compelling. It's uh, ultimately well made. There are some things I thought felt a little not so great. I think some of the B-roll feels very like... We need something to cut to, so let's just get like footage of a computer screen scrolling through a website that's somewhat relevant to what they're talking about, but not really at the same time. Yeah, like Things like that happen in the movie. I get it um, because, again, maybe you weren't thinking at the time. You're like, well, now we really need to cut to something because we're, we're on this guy's face for way too long. But the most impressive part of Clapboard Jungle to me were the interviews he has some really great people including Guillermo del Toro that get interviewed about the the film industry um a lot of b level uh filmmakers a lot of indie filmmakers um just give insight into their experiences of getting movies made and what it's like to be a filmmaker and they i think they do a good job of like kind of demystifying the job mm-hmm. you know it's one of those things where you think of like Tarantino or Kevin Smith or um Robert Rodriguez who were the three i think big indie filmmakers who kind of uh became the Sundance darlings you know they went from nothing to rich guys with one movie right yeah. like, you know uh and I think it set up a, a bar of unrealistic expectations for independent film that you can you know, start with nothing and become like a millionaire right away and then become this iconic filmmaker most don't do that and I mean honestly if you look at even those three guys career they took very different trajectories I mean Smith has only made his own films Um, but most of which have at this point fallen on you know critical harshness and then went to a couple of studio films that did not do well like uh, cop out is reviled by most people um and then Tarantino's obviously only done his own films and is considered one of the best filmmakers working by many people and then rodriguez did so many kid films and then did like machete which is straight up b movie right like he he makes what he wants Mm -hmm. and they've had really interesting careers but definitely this movie I think does a good job of demystifying that uh element of filmmakers which I think is important as again as a film teacher I think this is something I would totally want to show to my film students of like look if this is what you're passionate about you may not be able to be the next Tarantino but you can do what you love doing um in the process despite that you know you don't have to be famous to be a successful filmmaker it just depends on what your definition of success mm-hmm. is and i think the the doc does a really good job of kind of capturing that to, that's
1: that sounds like can that sound like something i would like to watch just for the let's say the behind the scenes kind of look at, mm-hmm. at somebody who maybe isn't as well known as like if if it is robert rodriguez now doing a behind the scenes it would be a lot different to how
0: he was when he was doing mariachi so
1: that sounds like that sounds very interesting i haven't checked it out yet but uh i i yeah. surely will
0: i think it's i think it's worth time um it's very well made again it it's it's, I can see why some people may not like it, um, but for me, especially being a big fan of like the, the behind-the-scenes stuff and, uh, and not having experienced any of it, so getting as much as it – I wish he could have given us a little more insight, but I think some things he was not allowed to film and things like that, um, and I would have been cool. Like if, if Morgan Spurlock made this documentary – like he did um, The Greatest Movie Ever Sold, where he tried to like completely go transparent with the uh, um, sponsor-paid film industry – um, if he could, if this filmmaker, whose name I'm not going to remember right now, sorry, I think it's Justin McConnell I'm in the ballpark. Um, I, he doesn't have that pull like Morgan Spurlock had when he made that movie. You know, Spurlock had already done super size me at that point. He'd already done like the, the TV series of the same idea of like the 30 days. This guy is, is an up and comer. Um, but, and he's had some success, but, and it covers a long time. I think it's, I think it's like six years in the documentary. So like you, you really have a swath of what his life has been like trying to make, become a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. So, um, but moving on uh, two more docs to talk about Um, hail to the deadites is a documentary about uh, evil dead fans. And it's, if you pull back and look at it more of uh, thematically universally, it's about fandoms and how fandoms can be both really good and also can be toxic. It's not, it definitely leans away from the toxicity and it's more about praising the fans of evil dead. uh, The, all of them, like all of the evil dead, evil dead Two. Um the Army of Darkness and a little bit of Ash vs. Evil Dead. Um it doesn't seem to really broach on that as much, but it's definitely obviously a part of that universe. And even the uh, Evil Dead remake gets a little bit of love uh in this, but it's it's about like conventions and the people who go to them and who collect all the memorabilia and the merchandise. Um and I'm one of those people. I'm not I am a big fan of the Evil Dead, but I'm I don't really collect the merchandise for that, but I I have I'm sitting in a room full of pop vinyls and action figures still in package. Um, I am a collector of, of this type of stuff. So I totally connected with this and it's not perfect, but it's a lot of fun. And it, 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 you know, Bruce Campbell's in it. And if you like, if you're a fan of Evil Dead, it's probably because you like Bruce Campbell. Really? So when he's there, it's excellent. Um, and then the last one is the, the best documentary I've seen from this festival by far. And it's one of the best I've seen from this year. And I've seen a few from this year, but feels good, man is about um, the the creator of the very famous now Pepe meme. Um, but he didn't make the meme. He made the character Pepe in a comic book called uh, Boys Club. It's like an independent comic book. And um, that character gets repurposed as a meme and initially as a very innocent meme, Pepe the Frog. And then uh, it gets repurposed by 4chan trolls. And the, the movie takes... Um, the closest thing I could say as far as other documentaries in the last couple of years, if you saw um, Three Identical Strangers or Tickled, uh, Tickled being very relevant here, or even Wiener from a few years ago, where the movie starts very innocuous enough where it just feels very like, hey, this is just a feel good kind of a movie. And then it takes you down this very dark road that you weren't totally expecting to happen. The only reason why you might be expecting is if you know some of the uh, the craziness that became Pepe the Frog as a meme, then you have an idea of where this film might go. But um, it, it it's impressive when you start off, your literal opening shot is of a guy who looks like a hippie picking up a little tree frog and the tree frog being very comfortable in the man's hands and then even crawling up his arm happily. And then finding out, oh, this is the guy who made Pepe the Frog. What a, what a poetic opening shot, only to find out how it just goes from there. It's very well crafted. I love the structure of the film. Um, people often forget that a documentary is still a fabrication, meaning we're putting together how we present the information to you. And thus, there's a narrative structure here that works really, really well to keep it compelling. Every time you think you've got a grip on what the movie's saying, it goes to another place. And that's where I made those comparisons to those other three docs. Those films do that, too, where you think you know where it's going and then there's a curveball that just comes at you out of nowhere. And um, it almost feels like if M. Night Shyamalan made a documentary, boom, here it is. <laughs> uh, so uh, those are the movies that I can talk about that I've seen from the festival. We'll be getting into more Fantasia stuff next week, but I believe that is it for media consumption. Um,
1: it is indeed, mate. That we've we've been consuming a lot, it's fair to say.
0: Yeah, Which I will have to be slowing. I'm on like diet consumption because work is is getting uh, going again. So I am like strapped for time. But I'm doing the the best I can. Um, you doing a hell of a job. And to do that, Matt, because this is the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, we have to figure out ways to stay bloody awesome. Otherwise, the podcast will have to cease to exist. And we just can't allow that to happen. So, Matt, I must ask you, what have you been doing to stay bloody awesome?
1: Uh, I've been abducted by aliens. I've gone on a drug addle trip of Cape Town this week, and these were really good. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, if we don't, if we don't, we'll dissolve if we don't stay bloody awesome. Man, I've been drinking green. I've gone naked. Uh, as you know, we both <laughs> did it. We had our naked green juice full of various fruits and algaes and vegetables, and it was incredibly nice. So, yes, David in blind spot in Colin, he had it. He had it down. That stuff is some good stuff. Uh, Naked, if you're listening, sponsor us. And also just seeing family. Went to um, catch up with my parents this weekend and my brother and and my nephew, my sister and brother-in-law. Just nice to see people again and um, take your foot off the gas because as the media consumption we just mentioned, it's been quite full on. In the best way, absolutely love this last few weeks checking out films. But you do also need to take time off, you know, take your foot off the pedal a little bit and do other stuff. So I went home for uh, just for the day, but it's nice to just go out, have fun, not have to worry about, ah, oh, God damn, I've got uh, two or three films to watch now, or I've got to do some uh, writing tonight. So, um, that was nice. And it got me geared up and, uh, refreshed again, ready for essentially starting the week off, uh, all guns blazing again. So drinking green, and I mean drink, not, uh, any ever thing which connotations of green and seeing family to just get the head back in the right space again so that's how i've been staying bloody awesome jb statesman how have you been staying bloody awesome
0: well i've i'm back in the habit man i had to uh retrain myself to go back to work um, after, you know, we've been, uh, home teaching since March, which, so I haven't been on vacation. Anyone who thinks that teaching at home was a vacation is insane and you mm-hmm. didn't do it because it is not a vacation unless you usurp your responsibilities. I did not. I take my classes very, very seriously. Some people even immediately assume because I'm an elective teacher, I teach film, an optional class, not a required class that I don't have a real job. I value my subject so much, mm-hmm. obviously about the amount of time I invest in movies um, that I, I take this job very very seriously and I think it's one of the most important things because I think film offers a way of looking at the world through a lens that maybe you wouldn't otherwise get to and so now after you know five months of not leaving my house to go somewhere I'm all of a sudden having to like get back into my my old routine after I've established a new routine and it's been a little little struggling um, and I feel off because I, I got used to working out in the morning and I don't have time to do that now. Cause I just can't get up earlier than I already am. So I'm, I'm not working out in the morning. I'm working out at night and so far it is throwing me off so bad. And I really, I really like my workout routine as it was. Um, so, but to stay bloody awesome, I got to get back into the swing of things because I, I want school to return. I want the world to return to how it was before COVID. Yeah. I'm also not, I have a realistic expectation of when that might happen. And I don't think it's going to be anytime soon, even though I'm currently being forced to. Um, I do have an amazing uh, crew of people that I get to work with. I think my school is uh, almost incomparable to any other public school in the country, at least. And um, I know I'm 100% biased saying that, but I I can't imagine working with anybody else, um, both from my administration and my colleagues. We, We all invest so much into what we do And for this online stuff, I mean, we spent all day today. um, I think it was five hours of online training about teaching online, which of course is ironic because (laughs) we're making teachers be online students, so they see what it's going to be like. If you have to, if you're on a a, in a class and you're talking to your students for ninety minutes, how are they going to feel? Because that's what they had to feel today. And. Um, it's kind of a a weird twist on, on training. It's like, we're almost doing it wrong so that you see why it's wrong to do it this way. Like you have to teach differently online and, um, you know, and, and the conversations we had afterwards, I think were the best part. Uh, you know, I've, I'm not always an optimist, uh, but I am being extremely optimistic about our ability as a staff to do this. And so all of that, all of this training, all of this is getting back into the habit of teaching, of, of teaching, um, being in my classroom, which is a home away for home for me, and not being there for five months was really tough and sad. And especially because I had the seniors um, from last year, we've been together for four years. Most like it was a, a very tight class. We were all very very close. And for them to not get to spend their last you know two last quarter in that room that they spent most of their high school career in was tough for all of us. And so being back in it's kind of it's exciting, but it's also sad because I know those kids won't be back. Cause they've now graduated. Mm-hmm. So it's all, all of that is just kind of being um, back into the best version of myself. I can be, I've wore a back to the future shirt and a um, ghostbuster shirt. Like it's a button up nice shirt, but it's, it's got those cool patterns from a company called Roosevelt, not a sponsor, but they can be. Um, and you know, it's, it's been, it's been something, it's been a week. Uh, I am exhausted and I still have to go run. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's how we say bloody awesome, folks. We we just keep working.
1: Yeah, well, I can attest that JB. Uh, he does do some work in his profession. I can attest that off-air, JB is always bloody working. But now, of course, with actual work, um, this is where the fun begins, as Anakin Skywalker said, before he lost all his limbs and got burnt horribly. So uh, all <laughs> the best hey, to I have you. the high ground. Yeah, and he, yeah, if he had the high ground, then he would be fine. But obviously, you're hoping it all goes well and sense prevails in the end, but... We'll see, but it's good that they have taken those precautions. And I know that your school was extremely hot on that, so uh, that it's, can only it's, be a good thing. Yeah. That is bloody awesome. Uh,
0: both the last two days, um, at some point, someone comes to our classroom to take our temperature. Uh, with we have these like uh, infrared thermometers, so like they don't touch us or anything; and they just like point it at our head. It's very weird because you're letting someone point a gun-shaped item at your head, um, <laughs> uh, and you're just like, "I hope that's not what it looks kind of like." But <laughs> um, and then. Uh, You know, um, they provided like extra masks. So, like, if a student shows up without a mask, we have masks for them. And they they got us a face shield, which is uh, like these like yeah I know yeah plastic things that look like a dog's cone almost. Like I'm like, am I not allowed to scratch myself? Barbara
1: wears those over here.
0: Ah, but you know, it's what we got. We got uh, my school is doing everything they can to make sure that we're safe once the kids do come back. But it's still scary. But nonetheless, that's our episode for the week, folks. Um. We had fun watching these movies. We know you may or may not be able to see them right now, but you will at some point. So please, if you, if you anything we said interests you, add them to a watch list somewhere, write them down, put them on your wall, write them on, the, on your forehead backwards so when you look in the mirror, you're reminded, <laughs> oh yeah, gotta watch Fried Berry. Um, <laughs> next week's episode, we're gonna continue our, our Fantasia coverage. We're gonna be talking for sure. We're gonna talk about the movies, Special Actors, Dinner in America, I Weirdo, and detention we might be talking about some other ones as well but those four for sure we're going to be extensive spoiler free reviews uh, on our next episode um and in the meantime we'd love for you to follow us on social media um matt where can they find us on twitter
1: Uh, head on over to at BAMP underscore podcast b a m p underscore podcast
0: and then on instagram we're bloody awesome movie pod And Facebook, just search Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, and we'll pop right up. Um, Individually, you can follow us. I'm at berkreviews.com, but I'm also on social media. It's just Berk And Matt, what about you?
1: Uh, WhatIWatchTonight.co.uk, social media, including Letterboxd, What I Watch Tonight.
0: And if you like what we're doing, we ask that you take a minute on whatever service, whatever platform you listen to our podcast to rate us, uh, give us a review. Like we do all these movies um, be kind, be nice, and uh, preferably positive reviews. But if you hate us, you know, do what you got to do. We might ask them to block it. Who knows what happens? But
1: just DM um, us instead.
0: Yeah, just tell us how much we suck on Twitter. Just add us. Um, but if if you like what we're doing, take a minute. It helps other listeners find us, and helps us to keep this thing going. Uh, it, it's you believe it or not, when with transatlantic is a lot because we are on six hours difference in time, right? Uh, five, five, whatever. It's the same. Um, you it know, is tough. It, we have to, we would do more of these if we were actually on the same time schedule, but we are not so um, the, the reviews matter. Uh, but with that, that's our episode. We'll be back next week. We encourage you to keep watching movies and
1: stay bloody awesome. blood blood